0: Have you ever thought about recording your own podcast? I know it took me a long time to get around to it, mostly because I was worried about the how-to, the equipment I might need, the editing that needed to be done. Well, if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. It's free. They have all sorts of creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone and computer That great music you hear on my podcast is from Anchor. It was provided to me for free. I I select it and add it to the podcast. I'm done. I've also been able to edit my podcast. They have easy features that make it smooth and pain-free to cut and remove certain parts of your podcast if you need to take them out or just add things. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard in places like Spotify and Apple, and you can even connect up other places like Stitcher. That's what I did. You can also make money off of your podcast. They give you a way to connect with sponsors. It's really everything you need, and it's particularly great for people who are worried about the technical side of making a podcast. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hi, and welcome to Tell Me This, a podcast about belonging, community, connections, and cultivating that belonging and feelings of connections in all the spaces that we visit, whether it's your classrooms, your organizations, your uh, local communities, the teams, um, you know, any sort of space that you find yourself in, or even just um, you know, sh- for short-term uh, moments with people, learning how to cultivate feelings of connectedness and belonging. I am your host, Carrie Brokowski, and on this, our second episode, we will talk about why fitting in is not belonging. Um, In today's episode, we will examine the definition of belonging, we will reflect on the differences between fitting in and belonging, and we will also talk about something I'm referring to right now as instant interventions, a few strategies, for ways that we can reduce our need or interest in trying to fit in and also promote our efforts and interest in cultivating a sense of belonging for ourselves and others. Um, for those of you who are new to the podcast or for folks who are listening to our second episode, thank you for being here. Um, just a reminder this podcast, Tell Me This, really is um, uh, an honoring of. Um, my grandparents, uh, my grandmother in particular, Eileen Downey, who passed away this November. She really did, um, as I reflected on her life, she really did embody these feelings of belonging and had a way of creating spaces and feelings of connection for me, my cousins and the rest of our family. Um, And honestly, I have been thinking more about this podcast and her and recognizing that if she were here, I actually think she would be a great partner in this podcast. I think she have, would have loved being a part of the podcast. Um, she took up email. I think I I shared a story in the last episode where um, she took up email when she was, I don't know, she was either in her late 60s or early 70s. So as a college student, I remember receiving email from my grandmother. Um, she really liked learning new things. And so I could totally see her jumping on and wanting to to co-host or be a part of this. So it's sort of appropriate that I'm doing this. She also had the gift of gab. Um, that is a downy trait. Um, and so I think she would have fit in quite nicely. In fact, my mom shared with me, I had a an, uh, an opportunity um, uh, a couple of months ago to be a guest on a podcast. And my mother, I didn't know she was doing this, but my mom took the recording And shared it with my grandmother and my mom said that she listened sort of on the edge of her seat to every word and and, of course, had lots of questions. So, um, yeah. So I think she would be really excited to know I was doing this. And the title Tell Me This is really something that my grandmother used to say to me and our family um, when she was sort of interested in unpacking whatever we were talking about. So so this podcast is really in her her honor and memory. Recall that through our storytelling, uh, reflections, and a review of some evidence, um, I hope that we will have a better sense of this thing belonging that I think often feels, looks, and even reads quite ambiguously for people. Um, It seems hard to define and even harder to enact, so I'm hoping we can maybe make it more tangible for folks listening and offer some real clear strategies um, for working on this thing belonging. Um, So um, coming up next will be just a short story to get us started. So thanks for listening. All right. So welcome back. And as I said, this is our second episode of Tell Me This, where we talk about why fitting in is not belonging. And in this episode, we're going to define belonging, why fitting in does not equal belonging, and a few strategies for starting to reduce that need to fit in and hopefully increase your interest in belonging. And as is always appropriate in our podcast, I'm going to start with a story And today, in the interest of transparency and recognizing that this is still a very new podcast, um, I was going to share a personal story so that you had a chance to sort of get to know me a little bit more. So when I was a kid, um, and honestly, if I reflect on this now, given my professional training as a research methodologist, you know, loving data and analysis, working with research teams and students and and nonprofits on on anything data, right? It shouldn't be surprising that as a kid, I was really good at quickly examining a space, any room, maybe a person, whatever the situation, I could, in a sense, collect and organize the data, I could identify the key findings, and maybe we would say now, draw some conclusions. Now, at first glance or at first thought, this might sound really great, right? Like if you had a kid that was doing this um, and using this approach, you'd think maybe they're really developing some critical thinking skills and maybe they have a knack for, you know, research methods or or doing this kind of work. Um, And I wouldn't disagree with you. I have kids of my own. It would make sense. But what's a little troubling is that I usually did this. I went through these steps for one purpose, and that was to fit in. I just wanted to be liked. Remember, I was a kid, a teenager, all that teenage angst. I wanted to please everybody. I wanted to be accepted. And I just wanted to be a part of something. And believe me, I excelled at this. I could fit in just about anywhere. The problem, and you can probably figure it out just by the theme of the podcast, I felt exhausted. I was lonely. I was still feeling left out and probably most critically, I felt like I was unseen. I felt like no one saw me for who I was. Now, I can't speak for anybody else. I can only speak to my own personal experiences and perhaps some of the the observations I've made from my time teaching all kinds of students and maybe some of the reading of the literature I've done. And And I have to say, I think this feeling and this these efforts that we make to fit in are way more common than we want to admit. I mean, honestly, if I'm thinking about me as an adult now, I think there are still times where I walk into a space and my first inclination is, how do I fit in? So tell me this, how could it be that you make so many efforts to fit in you scan the room, you, you align with the culture of the community, you assimilate to the rules of the team um, or the group. How is it that you could still feel lonely and isolated and unseen? Moreover, in the 21st century where there is so much technology, Twitter, Facebook, um, email, texting, I mean, how many times a day do you send a text to somebody? So how is it that in a in an age where so much technology is connecting us we see statistics where people are feeling more lonely, more isolated and depression and suicide are on the rise? How could that be? <laughs> I asked that question of how that could be, and I think that's a good segue into, remember, the definition of belonging. What is belonging? Belonging, if you look it up in the dictionary, refers to the idea of overcoming isolation, that the community is valuing each individual, that your perception of that belonging is personal and unique and you feel like you're being seen, that you feel like you are valued for who you are. Um, and belonging actually sometimes means that you're standing alone. You're not lonely, but that you're willing to stand alone, um, on your own values, on your own beliefs. And you start to trust that the group or the people with whom you're surrounding yourself, will value you for your contribution, even when there's disagreement. Brene Brown talks about true belonging as this idea that you're able to be and show your true authentic self and that others, your community, um, will value those those contributions and that you don't have to hide and try to fit in. So belonging really isn't fitting in. It's not about sim- assimilation. Um, Belonging takes incredible courage and vulnerability to be willing to show yourself and to trust others with that sort of reveal of who you are. Um, so in terms of fitting in versus belonging, um, you know, as I said in the story, many of us survey, examine a room and try to figure out how to assimilate. We try to learn a culture, whether it's a, a community or in a gang or a team or a class or a university, We just don't want to stand out. We want to fit into that culture. The paradox of this is, and as it came through, I hope in the story, the more we try to fit in, the lonelier and more isolated we feel. Brene Brown suggests that it's because these are surface connections. Fitting in isn't really revealing anything. It's not valuing someone. It's not leaning in and learning about someone. It really is just on the surface, you know, for a, for a picture or for a view or for a look. Um, it's not what we would call authentic. And as I said, belonging really does require courage. So you have to be able to stand strong on your own values and beliefs and sort of your self-acceptance and vulnerability, which is being able to open yourself up and trust that someone or some people in a group um, will take care of and attend to your true authentic self. Um, so fitting in, you know, I guess contrary to popular belief is not belonging. And I think the question that we really want to answer and really want to think about is how can we start to see others? What can we do? Because remember, we talked about belonging, at least to me, Uh, If I'm being honest, when I think of myself in my professional space as a teacher, belonging is this big, complicated, complex, and often ambiguous thing, this concept. And so I think it's really important that we try to, um, I don't know if it's break it down, but it's to create little strategies that we can use to start this process. Um, to really make it tangible. And I have three for today. There are so many. And if you've read any of Renee Brown's books, she gives you lots and lots of ideas on how to work on this for yourself and for others. But we'll start here for today. Um, and the first one is noticing a name. Um, and you know my my friends in k to twelve will sort of roll their eyes at me because k to twelve teachers have been doing this forever. And it's this idea of what it really sounds like literally noticing somebody's name. So how does that happen? Well, sometimes when you when you walk into a space you're fortunate enough that people might have name tags on, right? Like if you go to a conference, you have those name badges. If you walk into um, you know, a church, maybe a coffee hour, people have name tags on. If it's a new group, maybe you have name tags so you get lucky and that you can actually notice their names. If you don't have, you know, a sticky on your sweater or your shirt with your name on it, it's a little bit trickier, but it's not that hard to do. You just have to be willing to walk up to someone and either, you know, introduce yourself, right? Like, hi, my name's Carrie. What's your name? And boom, there you go. Now, the key part of this is you make the initial engagement noticing their name. But what really, really strikes home is what? What do you think? It's remembering it. So the next time you bump into that person, whether it's later on in that meeting, later on in that conference, or the next week, trying to remember their name, right, and calling them by their name. Um, I actually I have a funny story. I was at church this past Sunday, and I bumped into this woman. I've seen her a couple of times. We definitely introduced. She's new to the church. She had introduced herself. Um, and I couldn't remember her name. I really like her. We've had some great conversations. And I was thinking as she was talking, I wish I could remember her name. And sometimes it comes to me and I'm lucky. This time it didn't. I was completely blank. And so, you know, I was like, I've, I really want to start calling her by name. I can't just walk around and be like, hey, you, right? That's, that's not making connection. So I finally said, I am so sorry, but I can't remember your name. Can you say it again? And we had a good laugh and we went on. And now I remember her name. Um, And hopefully I won't forget it. So noticing someone's name is a really great and arguably easy first step to building those connections, um, showing your authentic self and cultivating belonging. Um, The next one is start with strengths. Okay, start with strengths or you could say announcing assets. Right. I kind of like starting with strengths better. If you remember in the first episode, I told you the story about my grandmother and the golfing Um, well she this idea that she always pointed out the good things you did Even if your ball ended up behind a tree or in a sand trap or in the water. She wanted to find something positive Well, quite honestly, this was just how she lived her life If you would play my grandmother loved to play cards And so we would play cards quite often and if she was getting ready to lay down a hand that was just gonna You know, just put me down and um, I was gonna lose pretty badly um you know, she would, she would be really kind about it and say, Oh, I just, I hate to do this, but I, you know, I have to follow the rules of the game and you played so well. And then she'd lay down that great hand and and win. And if there was money involved, I mean, we're talking nickels and dimes, so not high stakes. She usually would end up, she would win the pot. She would end up dividing the money between me and my cousins because she just wanted to acknowledge that we played well. So Starting with strengths is another, I think, fairly easy way to build those connections. I mean, if you get to know someone even a little bit, you can start to point out things um, about them, how they're contributing, um, what they're doing, the work that they're doing, if they gave a presentation or if they were part of um, a team that, that did something for the group, just acknowledging, you know, hey, I really appreciated that or that work you're doing is great. That can go a long way people appreciate and notice when one you've noticed their name and now you've connected their name to something that they've done in this space or some other space so I really think starting from a strengths based approach um, is a, is a, another great way to enact belonging the last one I'll mention today is quality questions um, And again, this one is actually probably the easiest of the three um, because you don't really have to know the person's name. You don't have to know their strengths. You just have to know how to formulate a question. And I bet you everybody listening knows how to do that. Um, And I have to be honest, I used to go to um, coffee hours or happy hours or, um, you know, you'd have cocktail parties for work or something. And I used to dread them because I didn't want to be the person in the corner of the room, standing by myself with no one to talk to. And I I always worried about that, that I wasn't going to fit in, right? There we go. There's that word. And what I came to realize is, you know what? I'm really good at asking questions because one of my values, as I mentioned, I think in the last podcast is curiosity. I'm all about curiosity. And so I engage in new spaces with new people with questions And believe me, if you've ever been in in a group or with someone that you're meeting for the first time, if you ask them a couple of questions, you can most often get people talking and get people, um, you know, engaged in an interesting conversation. And as you ask more questions, you get to know them. And then perhaps you notice a strength or you can make a note of something that they do and pay attention. And it's just another way to lean in and learn. And so. Noticing names, starting with strengths and quality questions really are three pretty easy strategies for cultivating belonging. Um, I would argue, and I think I joked earlier about this idea I've been playing with called the Downy Way, um, sort of out of uh, honoring my grandmother. Um, maybe those are three things that 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 would be included in the Downy Way. So, um, so yeah. So those are the three um, instant interventions that I want you to think about for the week. Um, Coming up, we have a quick research recap and then just some closing thoughts. All right. Welcome back. Thanks for listening today. Um, We're talking about the definition of belonging, fitting in, and we just reviewed a few instant interventions, um, naming um, assets or strengths, and asking lots of questions. And so for the research recap this week, I wanted to share with you just briefly um, an article that um, was um, presented and I believe published at one of Purdue University's conferences in 2019. It's called A Storytelling Social Belonging Intervention in an Introductory Computer Science Course, and it's by Reckinger, uh, Reckinger and Gr- Greg 2019, and Reckinger is R-E-C-K-I-N-G-E-R, and I can link out to this um, on our website. Um, For you if you're interested and the reason I wanted to talk about this article is because this is another example of the kind of interventions We could be doing in our spaces Um, this article actually um, The context of the article is um, a research university in two introductory computer science classes so we're talking about um, about 350 plus students and in this research the faculty were trying to um, cultivate a sense of belief in the student self um, in terms of their, um, their ability to do the computer science. And they also wanted to look at the importance or they wanted the students to recognize the importance of persistence in the class. And now this is in a computer science class. It's undergraduate education. But I, I think if you read the article or even just listen to this, this brief recap, you'd see pretty quickly that what these faculty members did, and I'm going to talk about in a second, definitely have application across all contexts, whether you're in a K-12 space, whether you're in graduate, online, or face-to-face. And in our sort of non-academic professional spaces, I could see this taking place in meetings where you were trying to maybe you know, engage groups in particular dialogue, or you were onboarding folks into a new organization or environment, I think this would have some value. Um, So what happened in this research? So as I said, there were two faculty members, two sections of a class, many students, and what they did is they hypothesized that using storytelling, and in particular they asked um, two computer science graduates and two instructors, to be interviewed and tell their stories about their experiences in um, an introductory computer science class. Now, there was some worry that, you know, sharing these stories would uh, create fear, right? So you listen to the story and you're like, oh my gosh, that sounds so terrible and scary. How am I going to get through this? And the faculty were, you know, very aware of this. And so what they did to try to call that Um, possibility was they created a template for the story so they showed the template to the participants the interviewees before they videotaped it and the template included three sections the first was of course the struggle you know what was the failure what was the struggle and maybe how did it make you feel like in terms of anxiety worry the second section was the reflection So when you were in that moment of dissonance, right, cognitive dissonance, the worry, the anxiety, and you came out of it, what did you learn and what were you reflecting and thinking about? The third piece, and I think this is also critical to telling these kinds of stories, is describe the redemption, describe the success. No matter how small or large, there needs to be some sort of success. And success doesn't have to be getting an A on a test or passing the class, success could be, I figured out that the way I studied for that first exam didn't work. And so I met with the professor or I got with the teaching assistant or my peers, and I figured out some other strategies. Um, So the success doesn't have to be some sort of like traditional victory in an academic setting. So with those three sections, they interviewed these four folks, and then they were able to take these recordings and use them in different spaces. Some of the students watched them by themselves. Many of them used them in a group setting, um, and others used them for other instances, like in partners or whatnot. And what they found is that the students were highly engaged and Um, They described in the article they were engaged and consumed by the video, Um, which, I mean, to me is not surprising if it's a good story and an interesting story and it's relevant to you because, right, you're that computer science student just starting and you're listening to someone who's been through the process. Of course, you're going to be engaged. Um, in terms of results, now, the researchers do say it was a small sample. They didn't get a lot of the 350 students to respond to the survey, so we have to be cautious with the results, but they did say that it looks like it improved student attitudes about computer science. They were really happy to hear other people's stories, that they felt they reported feeling relieved and comforted by the sort of trajectory of struggle, reflection, and success, and they did not um, feel the fear that they worried would be created by these videos. And so what do we learn from this research? Well, first, there's, there are many roles for storytelling and hearing from your peers and hearing from your faculty about their own struggles, um, being in this together and seeing how they moved through it can really go a long way to reduce some of the anxiety. I also think... Um, In the article, they talk about how they used these videos in a group setting. Um, And so this gives students a chance to ask questions um, and perhaps identify ways in which they can, you know, move through this themselves. Maybe that something resonated with them and they were immediately able to make connections, not just with the people on the video, but as they were having these discussions with their peers and faculty, they were also making connections and starting to lay the groundwork to admit, yeah, they were nervous and they are worried about this. And so that is um, starting to to create that sense of belonging. And so whether it's these quick little interventions, the naming, the assets, um, the asking questions or something that's more extensive like creating storytelling videos for your students, for your coworkers or for members of an organization, There are many, many ways to start this process of cultivating belonging, and I hope um, that in uh, subsequent podcasts we will talk more about different situations around belonging, different contexts and people involved in cultivating belonging and perceiving belonging, and sort of what kinds of practical uh, strategies we can talk about to help to improve our own sense of belonging. All right. Thanks so much for listening. I wanted to wrap up our podcast for the day with our closing, um, thinking about intended intentions. Um, When we think about cultivating belonging and enacting these um, instant interventions that we reviewed today, we first really need to step back and do some self-work. Um, and I'm going to have a subsequent podcast more on this. But for today, I really want you to tell me this. Um, what are your values? When you think about your personal values, what are they? And are you living them? Um, this is not an easy question. Um, I spent some time this summer, and I continue to do the work to really articulate what my values are. and. I know I've mentioned her already, but Dr. Brene Brown suggests that you know lots of organizations and lots of individuals have lots and lots of values. We have these long lists. And what she encourages us to do when we start this work, whether as an organization or just as an individual, is to pick just a couple. And so if you have a, a list of eight, I would ask you for this week after this podcast to just think about one um and maybe it's belonging um so let's use the belonging as an example so think about this one value of belonging and then you got to practice and what do i mean by practice um well think about other things you do to prepare in your life right so if you i don't know if you like to run and so you do races um even if it's you know just for fun i don't mean having to win but you set up a schedule you do some training That's practice. If you play a musical instrument, I bet you have to practice before you do performances. Um, If you're working on a project at work or with a team, you're doing practice of sorts in the form of versions and drafts and run throughs on whether it's the paper, the proposal or the presentation. So in everything, I bet you in almost everything you do, you're doing and enacting some kind of practice. And so what I'm encouraging us to do is name that value and schedule some practice. And so I've given you some sort of practice strategies for a value like belonging this week. Noticing names. So call people by name. If you don't know their name, introduce yourself or ask them their name. Um, Noticing and starting with, with individuals' strengths and asking quality questions. And so I'm asking you to reach and stretch this week and choose one of those instant interventions and do it. Just try it. What can go wrong? And so I end this week and encourage you to identify that value of belonging, to enact one of those instant interventions interventions towards cultivating a sense of belonging in your community and the folks with whom you engage and so in your comings and your goings this week please work on and try enacting some practice and as always I like to remind my audience that I am and this podcast is a work in progress and one of the most fundamental ways that I grow and learn develop and change um, with myself in myself and also in this work is to get your feedback So if you have feedback, if you have ideas, criticism, that's okay. I take that too, as long as it's constructive and gentle. Um, I just would love and would be grateful um, to hear from you. Anything I can do to incorporate other voices into this work um, just makes it that much better. So thanks again for listening. I appreciate your patience and, um, attention for this little bit of time. And hopefully, um, in a week or so you'll find another episode, episode three in your feed. I'm still working on the topic, so not going to reveal anything yet, but thanks so much. Have a great, um, day and I will uh, talk with you soon. Take care.